Aloha. What's up, Penn Nation? You're now tuned into yet another edition of BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. As always, I'm your host, Jay Kinch, and we are back yet again with another solid episode. This is episode 77. We're closing in on 100, folks. But again, tonight, we have three awesome guests, not as stacked as last week's show, but nonetheless, three awesome conversations that I know you will all enjoy. But before we talk about tonight's lineup, you guys already know what's up. I tell you every week, your home for MMA news is BJPenn.com. BJPenn.com is your premier source for all things mixed martial arts. Our team is always working hard to bring you guys the most reliable information, all the breaking news, all the exclusive content you could ever want, and a whole lot more. On top of all the breaking news and exclusive content, we've got BJJ with BJ, the man himself bringing techniques and instruction to you guys, Penn Nation. Use the hashtag BJJ with BJ to ask a question and get a breakdown on a technique from the prodigy himself. We've also got killer tutorials coming out from Evolve MMA with some of the best in the business. Really cool stuff there. All that and so much more. Everything you crave from the sport you love, BJPenn.com, the fighter's voice, we have got you covered. We kick things off tonight with the number three ranked welterweight in the UFC, the supervillain himself, Colby Covington. Colby returns to the show to discuss this upcoming bout with Rafael Dos Anjos at UFC 224 in Brazil on May 12th. We'll be discussing the matchup. We'll talk about all of the negotiations that had to fall into place for this fight to be finalized. We'll talk about what he has planned after winning UFC gold. And quite frankly, the testicular fortitude required for Colby to venture back into Brazil to take on a Brazilian after all the stuff he said about the country and its fighters. We'll also discuss the lengths that the UFC is going to ensure his safety and security during this trip back to Brazil. And you'll also hear Colby detail some very ambitious goals he has moving forward to take not only the 185-pound championship, but also the lightweight championship as well. As always, Colby brings the fire. Nobody's safe. Another great conversation with Chaos himself. Our second guest of the evening, good friend of the show, longtime UFC veteran, an all-around badass guy, Matt the Immortal Brown. Matt returns to the show to give us the inside scoop and an update on the ACL injury that forced him out of the fight with Carlos Condit for UFC Glendale next week. We'll get a timetable for his return, the severity of the injury, whether it requires surgery, what he has planned for that, some cool projects he has in the works for this downtime, how all of this affects his career moving forward, and of course, I had to ask him about Snoop Dogg. So another great conversation with Matt Brown. I know you guys will enjoy that one as well. And finally, closing out tonight's show, tough alumni, UFC strawweight, set to face Mackenzie Dern, also at UFC 224 in Rio de Janeiro on May 12th, ABC herself, Amanda Bobby Cooper. We'll preview this fight against Mackenzie with Amanda. We'll talk about the stylistic matchup, what holes she sees in Mackenzie's game, the back and forth that they've had, not only on social media, but also in interviews. 
the importance of this opportunity for Amanda to herself break into superstardom, what she thinks of the landscape of the division, and a whole lot more. So there you have it, Penn Nation. Another solid show, three great guests, three awesome conversations. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. This is BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Coming up first, kicking things off, the supervillain himself, Colby Chaos Covington. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show one of our favorite guests, the man who is officially set for a shot at welterweight gold, Colby Chaos Covington. What's up, Colby? It's been a while, brother. Very excited to have you back on the show today. Yo, what's up, guys? Thanks for having the Brazilian King back on the show and the UFC's biggest draw. <laughs> All right, so listen, let's let's waste no time, man. It was initially reported by BJPenn.com that you'd be fighting Dos Anjos for the welterweight title on May 12th in Rio de Janeiro. The news dropped yesterday that the fight is officially on. First off, how long has this thing been in the works? Oh, uh, this thing's been in the works for a couple weeks, you know. They they had to they had to beg RDA and sweeten the pot for him just to finally sign the contract. But, you know, as soon as they offered me the fight, I accepted the first day. But, you know, that once they sweetened the pot for RDA, finally he came to terms and realized that, you know, I could end his career for the money he's going to make. Well, listen, there. you mentioned a couple things there that I want to get to in a moment, uh, you know, with sweetening the deal and, and the contract signing. But I know you couldn't talk about it over the past couple weeks, and rightfully so. Uh, talk to us about how this fight got put together. You know, uh, you've said many times on this show that you wanted RDA, Wonder Boy, or Woodley. Had the UFC offered you any other matchups before this one came up? Yeah, you know, I was supposed to fight Woodley for the undisputed UFC welterweight title back on December 30th. As soon as my name cross came across Tyrone Woodley's desk, oh, I'm, I'm injured. Oh, I'm going to go back to Hollywood and gossip like a little bitch and talk about the Kardashians. But he was fine to fight Nate Diaz. He was fine to fight GSP at 85. But as soon as they talked about fighting me, the real king of the UFC welterweight division, he got scared and went hiding in Hollywood. Now, obviously, RDA had been on the hit list for months now. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Woodley here in a moment. But uh, you've had plenty to say about the guy in our previous conversations being Rafael Dos Anjos. Now that the fight is booked, man, give us your thoughts on how you guys match up stylistically. Oh, stylistically, it's a it's an easy matchup for me. You know, I'm better than him everywhere. You know, he's gonna find out the hard way on May 12th that uh, you know you you just don't mess with uh, Colby Chaos Covington. I know you've had uh, obviously you have some of the best wrestling in the UFC, and you're always sharpening those other skills as well. But something that Gamebred had mentioned to me last week is that he feels that you have some of the best cardio in the game, hands down. Uh, you know, people say that RDA has great cardio as well. What kind of a pace are you expecting for this fight? Uh, I'm expecting the highest pace you've ever seen. You know, I'm going to drown him. He's going to be putting 10 feet of water. And we all know he's a little midget as it is. You know, he, he can barely see over five feet of water. So, you know, I'm going to put him in the deep end of the kit, of the big boy pool and he's going to drown. Now, Dos Anjos had been pretty adamant about uh, wanting to wait for Woodley to be ready. Uh, what made him take this fight, in your opinion? You know, you talked about sweetening the pot. Was the interim title to sweeten the deal in order to get him to sign? Yeah, that was that was uh, the. That's why they had to sweeten the pot is put the interim because originally when they first offered to, it to me, they were just talking about just doing you know a number one contender fight, you know, a big fight, do it in Brazil, and I said, yeah, let's do it. You know, I'll fight him for free. I, I didn't care about the money. I'm not here to fight for money. I'm here to 
fight for legendary status. And this fight, people 100 years from now are going to know that I went south of that dump of the border and easily defeated most of their elite warriors. Brazilians will name their firstborn my name after I brutalized RDA and romanticized their women. (laughs) <laughs> now, just to stay on the contract here for a moment, Dos Anjos had said earlier in the week that he signed the contract and that he was waiting on you. Based on what you're saying, though, there's no truth to that statement. That's what we call fake news. Okay, so you were you were ready to go, but like you said, they, they had to offer him the interim title to, to get him to sign this contract. Yeah, I, 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 I accepted the fight, you know, two, three weeks ago. You know, I told Dan Lambert, my manager, boom, you know, sign it right away. I don't care about the money. I'm not in this for the money. I'm, I'm in this to, to embarrass these top guys up top, these fakers, you know, and, that, and that's what they are. RDA is a fake, saying that I didn't want to sign the contract. No, that's not the truth. They had to offer the interim title for him to sign the contract, and I guarantee they offered him some pay-per-view money to come out of his little hiding hole. Now, speaking of the interim belt, you know, ever since uh, this fight was announced, the MMA community started complaining about the UFC creating another interim belt. Uh, many point out the fact that, that Woodley's supposed to be ready for July. However, I, I know that you've been on a mission to be a champ one day. So what's your response to the, the hate on the interim title? Uh, you know, these are the same virgins that are cheating on their wives, cheating on their taxes and and just fake people overall, you know, they just, they're mad that I'm getting my shine and I'm getting a chance at a big money fight and a title fight. You know, let's look at the numbers, you know, Art, uh, Woodley's fought four times. Yeah. Last year, that's his only four fights in the last three years. Do the history, look up the math, you know, numbers don't lie. And Woodley didn't want to come back in July. That's just what he was saying because he doesn't want me to get paid. He doesn't want me to fight for a title. So, you know, I've heard reports that, that Woodley's not coming back till December. So, you know, you guys should find out, you know, that everybody's finding out that what I say is truthful and, and things that RDA and Woodley say, they're just fake. You know, they just make shit up for the media. Now, the only thing that I thought could hold up this fight uh, being finalized was the security concerns, you know, given that you're returning to Brazil here. Uh, I know you've said that the UFC is guaranteeing your security, but was there any hesitation from you guys or your team to take this fight in Rio with all that considered? Uh, no, there was no hesitation. You know, the, the, that was the first thing we talked about before we even talked about the deal and the terms and the money. You know, we talked about private security, secret savers, level security, being at a private hotel, being away from the fighters, you know, not doing open workouts, not doing anything where it's going to put me in danger in an open area where some Brazilians could come attack me. So, you know, I've had a lot of messages, you know, from some favela leader, Marcio, that has a bounty on my head and, and said that he's going to murder me before I make it to the octagon. So, you know, I had to make that aware to the UFC and make sure they get the right security and take the right precautions for my safety. So it sounds like you're mentioning a guy from a favela that, that threatened you openly. I mean, is, has there been any uh, legal action taken there in regards to maybe the Brazilian uh, police looking into that? Nah, the Brazilian police are just as corrupt, you know, just like I said, that place is a dump, all those filthy animals, you know, the Brazilian police, they're just looking for, you know, they're looking to sweeten their pockets, you know, so if someone's going to give them a little extra money, you know, they're, they're going to be quiet about it. Now, in regards to the details, I don't want you to go into too much, uh, but the, what are the lengths that the UFC plans to go here? You know, you said Secret Service, is there going to be a chaos Secret Service or something like that? There will be a chaos secret service. I, I got my security team on deck, and uh, they're going to follow me everywhere I go, you know. So, you know, I'm not going to be visible to any eyes. You know, I'm going to be, you know, private with everything I do. And, 
The only time you're going to see me now is in that octagon. You're not going to see me at these UFC events. I'm not coming there to, to talk or be friendly with anybody. You know, I'm the supervillain of, of the UFC now. And they, they just got this, the biggest supervillain that, that all you nerds read about in comic books. <laughs> uh, you told Brett Akamoto that the UFC had to buy two plane tickets, one for you and one for your big nuts. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you think anybody else in your position would have the balls to take this fight in Brazil? No chance. Zero percent. Negative zero percent. You know, I'm. no one's got the big set of balls that I got. You know, like I said, they, they had to get two plane tickets. I feel sorry for the UFC, all the money they're going to be spending on security and for my extra flight for my big set of balls. But, you know, there's no doubt about it. I'm, I'm going to uncharted territories and, and no one would do what I'm doing going back to Brazil when I've gotten as many death threats as I've gotten. Yeah, man, I got to say, it's, it's crazy to hear that, uh, some favela king has threatened you openly like that. Uh, that that's some crazy shit, brother. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> it feels like a dream, man. It doesn't even feel real sometimes. I believe it. I believe it. Now, I'm sure with the opportunity uh, for RDA to fight you in Brazil, he's going to have a lot of uh, a lot of added motivation uh, for avenging the Brazilian people and 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 you know going along with all of that. Uh, what would you say to those fans in Brazil that are going to be screaming, "You're going to die on fight night"? Uh, I could I could uh, say that they could also expect to have the tissues ready. You know, I got a I got a good thing. You know, you guys should all go invest your stocks and money into Kleenex because on May twelfth, there's going to be a lot of tears around the world and there's going to be a lot of tissues handed out. <laughs> now, when I asked uh, Masvidal about you fighting in Brazil again, he said that he loves it and it shows how much of a competitor you are. Uh, he also said that you thrive in these hostile environments and he'll be betting on you, of course. Uh, would you agree that you compete best under this kind of pressure? Uh, you know, I compete best under any pressure. There isn't a certain type of pressure that I compete better in, but, you know, I, I love the hate. You know, I've always loved the hate and uh, more than the support. You know, I like people telling me I'm going to die, chanting all these negative things at me, saying I can't do this, you know. You're definitely going to see the best Colby Chaos version you've seen ever in the UFC. You know, I'm a completely different fighter than when I fought Damian Maia back in October. So you can definitely expect me to see me thrive under that pressure in Rio on May 12th. Now, aside from you capturing the title and setting up this fight with Woodley, I'm very much looking forward to the promotion of this fight. It all starts on Friday with the press conference in Brooklyn. Uh, I'll sh I'm sure you'll have plenty of uh, ammunition ready uh, for promoting this fight, and, and I know you enjoy being this heel supervillain, as you said. Uh, but all that considered, how excited are you to start promoting this fight, and uh, arguably the biggest fight of your career? Yeah, you know, I'm excited, man. It's just another fight. You know, it is what it is. I've been here doing what I've been doing the whole time, you know. I'm the draw now. I'm the biggest, you know, I'm the marquee that everybody wants to see. You know, whether they want to see me lose or win, you know, they all tuning in. They're all emotionally invested in me. So, you know, I look forward to the opportunity. You know, the UFC is going to see that I am the next superstar. You know, I'm taking over the whole UFC after this fight. You're going to find out that Conor McGregor is going to get washed away real quick. And the only talk is going to be about Colby Chaos Covington. Now, you know, speaking of that, man, you and I have talked in length about this heel role and, and what you're doing and uh, how people just aren't getting it. But now that it's all said and done, you're finally fighting for a title. You beat RDA. It sets up the fight with Woodley, and the, and the sky is the limit, man. What, what would you say to all these people that have been doubting you along the way, uh, you know, being a supervillain? Yeah, I mean, look, look at where they're at and look at where I'm at. I'm fighting for a world title for, for a lot more money than they're going to make in the next 10 years of their life. So... 
You know, they could they could say whatever they want, but you know, look look at the position I'm in and look at the position they're at. And you know, everything I've said has been truthful. I you know, we had these interviews back in October after my fight, you know, in January, February. I called my shots. I said everything that was gonna happen. I said I was fighting for a belt my next fight. That was the only fight I was gonna fight. And look where I'm at. I'm fighting for an interim belt with a chance to take over the whole UFC. You're absolutely correct, man. You you've called it along the way, so Maybe we instead of Mystic Mac, we got Mystic Chaos now. So uh, I would agree with you there, man. But looking ahead, not past RDA, what's next for you uh, after you win the strap in Brazil? Do you expect Woodley to be ready for July, or is it going to be December? And assuming you come out of the fight uninjured, you know how early is too early for you to compete again? Oh man, I'll be ready to compete the next weekend, man. RDA, that's easy money, man. He's a little, he's a little Franken nerd. I'm, I'm a dump, I'm a dump his head and give him a swirly in Rio de Janeiro on Feb, May twelfth and pay, on pay per view. So you don't want to miss that. I'll be ready to fight the next weekend. But you know the thing with Woodley, he's not going to be ready for July, man. He's just faking. You know that was just he just wanted to say that to the UFC so they wouldn't make an interim title. But you know that's why. RDA took this fight, you know, he knew that uh, Woodley wasn't coming back anytime soon, you know, they, I heard reports that he's not coming back till December, December 4th is when he's targeting, so, you know, this is all just fake news and fake media with what Woodley's saying, you know, that guy's, he's a piece of shit, man, he never keeps it real, and that's why, you know, you're seeing a lot more people drawn to my side and, and believing in me and knowing that I am the GOAT, because, you know, I keep it real and I say the truth. Now, when we last spoke, you had also mentioned wanting to fight for titles above and below welterweight. Is that still on the agenda? And if so, uh, how, how soon could we see you make those moves? Yeah, that's definitely still on the, the agenda. You know, I don't think Whitaker is that good, man. He's He got knocked out by Stephen Thompson, and Stephen Thompson couldn't hold my jock straps. So, you know, I might be looking to go up. You know, I, wanted, I always wanted to get the belt the harder weight class first. So, you know, I'd rather go 170, get my belt, go to 185, smack Whitaker around, and then go to 155. We'll look for Khabib. You know, he thinks he's got good wrestling and, and pressure and pace. He's never felt a pace in, in wrestling like me. So, you know, I'd love to go smack him around in Russia. Wow, that would be uh, that would be one hell of a fight, man. Just uh, as a grappling fan alone, uh, you know, it sounds to me though you don't you don't think that he's on your level of grappling, or do you at least appreciate what he's been able to do in there? Yeah, I appreciate what he's doing for the little man's weight class, but you know, you're talking to a king, man. You're talking to a guy at a real man's weight class. I'm at 170. This is a real man's. He's in a little kid's weight class. I'm in a real man's weight class. So. You know, little Killabib or whatever his name is, you know, he, he's done good for the little boys, but, you know, he comes up with the big boys and it's going to be a whole different ballgame. <laughs> Listen, man, uh, you've been more than generous through your time. Greatly appreciate it. Let's wrap this up. In conclusion, give us a prediction for the fight. What can all the fans expect on May 12th in Rio? And tell all the haters out there why Nerd Bash 2018 is just getting started. First round KO, only on pay-per-view May 12th. You don't want to see this. I'm ending RDA's career in his home city of Rio. How, how great that they can put him to rest and he doesn't have to go too far. And to all my haters, you know, enjoy the ride, man. I'm just getting started. I'm 30 years young. The best is yet to come for me. This is Nerd Bash 2018. Swirlies, wedgies, all you dudes are getting your lunch money taken. You know when you fight me, you only get half your paycheck. So gear up, man. Nerd Bash 2018. <laughs> All right, I love it. Uh, Colby, a pleasure to speak with you as always, man. It's it's incredible to see you rise to the top, and, and, and now that we're on the cusp of you becoming a champ finally, I got to say it's been awesome to be along for the ride. Hopefully we can catch up when the fight gets closer. All the love and support uh, support from us, and, and thanks again for your time today. Any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go? 
Yeah, you know, big shout out to my team, American Top Team, my boy Mike, uh, Dan Lambert, uh, you know, and, and thanks to BJ Penn Nation for always having me on. You know, thanks to my team, you know, Jorge Masvidal, he's going to be in my corner. Much love to my brother. That's my, my biggest supporter who's helped me since day one. So, you know, and my family and everybody, you know, enjoy the ride, man. We're just getting started. All right, brother. Again, greatly appreciate it. Looking forward to the fight. Awesome announcement. We're all super pumped for you, man. We'll, we'll chat again soon. I hope you have a great day down there in Florida. All right, man. Take care, guys. You too, buddy. Later. Sweet. Everybody duck. Nobody is safe. Again, Colby brings the heat to the show. Always a pleasure to speak with him. You guys have heard me talk about it many, many times. If you don't understand what he's trying to accomplish with this supervillain heel role, then you, quite frankly, do not understand promotion. Very excited for him. This is a sick matchup. Crazy that it's going to happen in Brazil. Wish him all the best of luck. And, of course, we'll be catching up with him when the fight draws near. Very, very interesting stuff that he said about wanting to move up and wait to fight Bobby Knuckles and to move down and wait to fight Khabib Nurmagomedov. Both very intriguing matchups, but of course he has his hands full now with Rafael Dos Anjos on May 12th at UFC 224. Let's keep it moving. Coming up next, good friend of the show, like I said in the beginning, an all-around badass dude, one of my favorite guys to speak with, the immortal himself, Matt Brown. This is BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Coming up next... Matt Brown. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show another one of our favorite guests, the UFC welterweight warrior and veteran of the UFC and all-around badass guy, Matt the Immortal Brown. Thanks for joining us today, Matt. There's obviously plenty to cover, but first off, how are you feeling today, man? I feel good, man. Actually, um, don't feel bad at all. Just... Left the doctor's office a little bit ago. I'm headed to the sauna right now, getting some work, and uh, yeah, man, you know, living, just getting it done still. Keeping right. On it. Right. Well, l- let's waste no time. We'll get right into it. The announcement came a couple days ago that that you've been forced out of this highly anticipated fight with Carlos Condit and Glendale, Arizona, next week. Uh, I know you've released a statement online, but but tell us how this ACL tear happened. Um, man, I was actually just warming up. I was defending a single leg. Dude had my uh, leg up in the air, and I um, just planted on my, you know, my plant leg. And I, I don't know, you know, maybe I was fatigued. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe got caught on the mat the wrong way. It's it's really hard to say. It happened so fast, and I wasn't doing anything crazy. I wasn't pushing it hard or anything. So, you know, just one of those things, man. And um, all I can do is come back stronger at this point. So I'm just looking forward to coming back and pushing as hard as I can to, uh, you know, pushing my rehab hard as I can so that I can get back as, as quickly as possible. So it was uh, obviously just one of these freak incidents that, you know, just kind of happens during training. Yeah, 100%. There wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a wild scramble or anything out of the norm. I mean, it's something, you know, that, that I do all the time. It's a regular, you know, part of regular training and right. just land it the wrong way, wrong time, wrong place, wrong day. Right, right. Now, yeah, you just started. mentioned... Go ahead. Good. 
No, you I was going to say, you know, you mentioned you just left the doctors. Have you seen a specialist yet? How severe is the tear? Do you have any updates on that? Yeah, that's exactly it. I just left the orthopedic surgeon. Um, went over the MRI with me and everything. And I'm fortunate that it's only my ACL. There's nothing else that is torn, nothing else even damaged. And he said my knee actually looks really healthy. Um, but unfortunately, the ACL, you know, is a pretty major problem and i'll be going to surgery next tuesday wow so was it a partial tear full tear no full 100 percent tear wow man well you know acl tears are, are always tough for athletes to recover from and you know we've seen guys like dominic cruz struggle with the cadaver ligament procedure uh it sounds like you've already obviously you've already scheduled the surgery uh what kind of surgery do you plan on having are you going to do the cadaver replacement or the uh, one that everybody else seems to be opting for with, uh, what is it, synthetic, I believe? Um, I, I don't know. I guess my options are the hamstring graft, the uh, patellar graft, which is probably the last option, or the um, uh, cadaver. Th those are the only three that I was mentioned. And, um, you know, I'm leaning towards the cadaver, but... Um, the doctor actually recommended hamstring. So, you know, I'm talking to some people that have been through it. Um, I was just talking to Joe Lazan this morning. Um, you know, just so you just, you know, talking to a few different people and getting their opinions and doing all my research, do my due diligence, and we'll make a decision when by, by time, well, before I, Tuesday, I guess. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, I, I just know that, it's, you know, you hear so many bad things about the cadaver situation and then other people do have success with it. Uh, has the UFC, have you talked to any UFC doctors? Is this, is this your own orthopedic surgeon or? Yeah, I've only spoken to my own surgeon. Like I said, I just left a little bit ago, so right. um, I'll certainly uh, talk to the UFC doctors and, you know, I've talked to as many people as I can and get it. You know, I, I put an Instagram post this morning and asked my followers you know what their opinions were and i've heard all different angles and good and bad stories from both so it, it doesn't sound like there's going to be a clear-cut way and it's i mean at this point it sounds like a crapshoot really like just, <laughs> you know just throw darts and pick one and hopefully it works out for the best but uh, like i said i'll do my due diligence and come to my own uh, conclusion and um i have little bit of time to do it so no rush right absolutely now again i know i know this all just happened but did the the, the doctor give you any idea on how long you'll be out um he said probably six months to return to uh, any sort of training uh, which is from what i understand is is pretty uh standard yeah absolutely absolutely i know that again some some guys have battled with this a lot longer but I think uh, six months, that's not too bad, especially if you, uh, like you said, you really push that rehab and, and try to do it right. I think you'll be back in no time. But, you know, in your Twitter statement yesterday, uh, you had talked about how these kinds of things, these kinds of setbacks are just part of the game and that there's no need for people to send their sympathy. Uh, it's pretty clear that being in this game so long, you've got an accurate perspective on these kinds of injury issues. But I'm sure you still appreciate all that outpouring from the from the fans of support. Yeah, I kind of wrote that, I guess, a little bit uh, spontaneously because I was just getting so many I'm sorry messages. And I was like, right. I was like, uh, and I, I'm like, man, there's nothing to be sorry about. Man. You know, this is, like I said, it's part of the game. And 
you know, there's so many people to feel sorry for that are in worse positions in the world than me. I mean, you know, I could have been born in North Korea or something, you know, like there's, there's very, very, very sad things going on in the world. I'm still blessed. I'm still trying my best gracious for all the uh, great things that happen in my life every day. This, uh, you know, you're not going to be in this. Uh, I've been in the UFC for 10 years now. You know, you're just not going to. Uh, it's just a matter of time, you know. That you, you don't do this for too long without uh, something like this eventually creeping up and, and catching up with you. I've been fortunate. I've only had to pull out of two fights previous to this due to this is only my um, third surgery of my life. You know, and I've been doing this stuff a long time, and I haven't necessarily been doing it intelligently a long time. I've probably only been doing it training intelligently for the past few years. So, you know, so for me, you know, in my opinion, you know, I feel very gracious even through the injury. I hope uh, nobody took offense to that because I know a lot of people, they just don't know what else to say. So they just right. say, hey, I'm sorry. You know, they don't mean it, you know, in the way that I maybe kind of retaliated. But, um, but, I, you know, I just want to, you know, hopefully I didn't really offend anybody with that. But, you know, I just wanted to um, try to, you know, I don't know, maybe try to inspire some other people. Like, you know, reiterate that, you know, you should be, we, we need to be gracious even in the, the worst times in our life. So hopefully um, that maybe, maybe it touched some people. That's, you know, there's not a whole lot I can... I can use, I can do with my, uh, you know, I feel like I'm in, I'm, uh, the, the situation I'm in, I'm a, I have a platform to be able to help and inspire others. And, you know, so I want to use that in a positive manner like that. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I would agree with you a hundred percent. And like you're talking about, not only, you know, do a lot of fighters have to go through much worse than this, but at the end of the day, we should all be grateful during even setbacks like this that like you said, we don't live in North Korea or something for that matter. So it's just a you know very good perspective as always from a from a veteran like yourself. But uh, like I said earlier, man, this fight with Carlos was one that we were all looking forward to. Uh, as a matter of fact, when one of the guys from our team was putting together an article for the best fights in April, he asked all of us for some input, and a lot of us agreed that this was the fight we were most pumped up for. How bummed are you about having to postpone this fight with Condit a second time? Man, I, that certainly hurts a little bit because, you know, like you said, it's the second time, and both times it was uh, my fault, um, or at least my side. Um, both times it was two weeks out. Uh, it's literally like a, almost exactly the same amount of time as it was the first time. So, you know, I, I feel bad for Carlos, you know. I mean, he's you know preparing for me for a long time, and, and I think – I obviously I feel bad for the fans. Like you know, me and Carlos are going to put on a war for everyone. Um, I was feeling probably as good as I felt in years, man. I, I think uh, I had a great camp and really getting things together. And like I said, training more intelligently than I have. Um, I think you know things have just really been coming together in terms of uh, the holistic approach uh, of fighting in, in terms of mentally and physically and emotionally and um, preparation wise and uh, even injuries had just been minimalized and my training has been very intelligent and I got the right people around me and the right just everything seemed to be coming together and then uh, something like this happens you know puts a uh, certainly a, a not a not a small setback so it puts a damper on things for the short term but 
Um, I think in the long term, it'll uh, find a way to benefit from this one way or another. Right. Well, you know, you, you actually touched on a couple things there that I wanted to get to. You know, first, leading up to the injury, you say you, you were feeling great. This was a great camp. Was was it a camp similar to, like, when you were getting ready for Diego? Yeah, very similar. I mean, um, you know, that, that's, I mean, yeah, yeah, very similar. I mean, we, we're just putting everything together the right way and, um, you know, surrounded with the right people and life is good, weight's good and uh, happy and um, just ready to uh, go out there and perform, man. So. Right. <clears throat> well, well, I know that uh, the last time we spoke was, was right before the Diego fight, if I wasn't mistaken. And, you know, at that point you were unsure how much longer you wanted to compete, but you said that based on how you felt in training camp, you wanted to keep going and that the outcome of the fight would play a big factor. After the incredible KO, obviously, you, you said that Condit is a guy that would keep you from retiring. All of that considered with the injury, man. I mean, you know, based on what you're telling me here, you've had an incredible camp and there, this is no time to even consider retirement. Did that even come up after you got injured? Um, no, I haven't really thought about it yet. Again, it's sort of, I kind of look at this as just like, um, um, like, like I, I think I, I said, uh, during this camp, I, I guess we haven't done interviews, but you know, one of the things I mentioned was, look, I'm, you know, April 14th is all that I'm, I'm looking forward to. Right. And, and, during the camp, I said, look, April 15th and after, I'll figure out about what I want to do after. Um, I felt the same way before the Diego fight, really, uh, once I got into camp, right, uh, and, and, and kind of cleared my head a little bit. This injury, I kind of look exactly the same. Uh, like right now, that's my focus. Let's get over this injury. Let's let's work on the rehab. I got a few things I'm going to be doing in my downtime. Um, for one, like I, I plan on writing a book during this downtime. I want to um, maybe open a gym during this downtime. Uh, you know, so, so I have other things that will be on my mind. But the number one focus would be get through the injury, and then we can make a decision from there. Right, right. Well, So, so, really, so really, I guess what I'm getting at is my mindset right now is, is all short-term, um, obviously building towards the long-term things, but um, I'm keeping very much focused on uh, – uh, you know, the, the short-term goals. Right, right. Well, I mean, just, just based on how you, you were telling me you were feeling and the performance you had and, you know, now saying that this camp was incredible and everything was coming together, you know, I find it hard to believe that a competitor of your caliber would be even considering retirement uh, with all of these things going so well. But, you know, the injury setback, it, it sounds to me like your heart is still in this. It, it just sucks that, that, you know, you had to pull out of this fight. It's certainly, yeah, certainly, certainly, hundred percent. The uh, the retirement isn't the thought of retirement isn't necessarily uh, about my competitiveness and and I mean I want to fight for a, a, a damn long time. There's no question about that. The uh, so if I were to say I was just decided to retire tomorrow, it wouldn't be because uh, of my lack of desire to fight or anything like that. It would just be uh, it, it'd be a lot more based on other things. A lot of it's like to spend more time with family, yeah. um, my, my children and, and build a longer term, longer term, um, stable income, um, be more settled down, have a, a better schedule, you know, things like this, that, that, um, 
you know, the life of a professional fighter aren't really conducive to. And, you know, I miss a lot of things with my kids and, and my family uh, simply because of a, um, training obligations and, and trying to, and, and my life, you know, revolves around me so much. It's, it's you know, and training camp is such a, a self-centered, uh, a, a thing. Uh, I think that's, probably the the most uh, stressful part because you know i want to uh give to, so I'm, I'm constantly torn between like giving to my kids and hanging with them and and my family and everything and then dealing with myself and and right. so that's really that those sort of things have a a much larger part than my actual will to fight like i i mean i'd go I, i'd go in and fight with this acl if it was you know, <laughs> right right you know if it if it made sense yeah <laughs> so, yeah well, I, 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 I certainly, I almost did. I, <laughs> I tried Monday to, uh, you know, test it out, and I was before I, I found out that it was torn, and and I tested it out, and I, I mean, I, I kind of uh, realized it wasn't going to work, but it was, you know, I couldn't stand on it, so <laughs> right, right. Know, it's like, but I, I, like I said, I mean, if it was, you know, under the right circumstances, I mean, I would just go fight with it the way it is. I mean, I, I have the will to fight. Wow, so if uh, <laughs> so if you were able to train and stand on that leg, you would have tried to get past the UFC physicals and go out there and compete. Well, I mean, I I was trying to do that already. Um, you know, like I said on Monday, I mean, I went in and tried to hit pads, and because uh, it happened on Friday, yeah, it was the actual injury, and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna rehab this knee over the weekend, and then uh, Monday I'll come back. Because I couldn't get an MRI till Monday anyway, yeah. and uh, and uh, yeah, it, it, I, I, after about five minutes of hitting pads, I was like, I don't think this is going to work too well. <laughs> My knee was buckling <laughs> out of me, and, and I couldn't stay. Yeah, so it, it it didn't take long to realize it wasn't going to make sense. But right, uh, and then the MRI confirmed what we knew. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, we covered a bunch of stuff there. First off, you know, I know you've always had a ton of family support, and I know that. Uh, in our in our last conversation, that was the big factor for you was wanting to spend time with your wife and kids. Uh, but I'm wondering what was their reaction to this injury? Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, they were my kids. I mean, they're like, what? What? You're not gonna fight because your knees hurt? <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You know, it's just, I mean, they're you know they're young, so uh, you know it was kind of funny, but they, they wanted to jump on my knee and everything else. You know, like they haven't jumped on it in you know months, and then as soon as I heard it, they want to come over and kick it and see what's wrong. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, yeah, my you know my wife is kind of like me. You know, she's just like you know this is what it is. It's a uh, an obstacle, and we're going to get over the obstacle. That's what it is, man. That's how we roll. Yeah. For sure, for sure. And and another thing you touched on there, writing a book, that sounds pretty cool to me, man. Well, uh, do you have a topic? Is it going to be like a, like a memoir of your life? Or tell us a little bit about that project. Well, I've started about uh, four or five books already, and then I'm thinking maybe during this little downtime I'm going to just pick one of those and really commit to it. Uh, probably I'm thinking I'm leaning towards the like a mindset book, like – like a uh, you know sort of a sports psychology book, but more based on my own experience rather than like all these sports psychology books are written by um, 
you know, people that, that, that they go to college for that, right? They go to school, they get a PhD in psychology and or major in sports psychology, whatever. So they're just regurgitating this knowledge that they 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 pulled out of uh, textbooks. And, you know, so I want to, what I want to bring is some real high level experience um, into that and combine the two together. And, um, you know, I got, I have probably a book worth of information already in notes and everything. It's just a matter of putting on paper and, you know, I've never written a book, so I don't right, know how right, that's right. going to go. I'm sure there's more to it than I'm giving it credit for. So, but, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, aggregating the, the information and putting it into a, a readable uh, context, I guess. So, yeah. Structuring and all, and all that stuff. But, you know, you make a you make a great point there that a lot of people. I mean, and we see this in academia, academia everywhere. You know, you go to school, you you like you said, you pull information from a textbook. It's all regurgitated information, and then when you go to try and apply that to real life, sometimes it doesn't work out. So, for a guy in your instance, a guy that that's been there, done that, actually walked the walk. I think that'd be a very valuable uh, experience to share with the world. You know, about sports psychology coming from a guy who's actually had to apply it in high level situations. Yeah, that's exactly it. And the, the real, I think the real differentiator, uh, so like you see a lot of athletes write books like, like, uh, you know, technique books, um, or memoir books, which maybe I'll do sometime. Um, but I, I feel like I'd have to have a ghostwriter. I couldn't write my own book about myself. That would just be weird. Um, (laughs) but you see him do like technique books, but I've never, at least not that I know of, I've never heard of a, an athlete writing a, a mental uh, book, uh, you know, s- specifically about their mindset and the, the issues they've had to deal with and the uh, ups and downs. And uh, and I feel, uh, personally, I, I feel like, you know, with, I'm a very open, very honest person and and I, I think that could resonate with a lot of people and, and I think I've experienced a lot of things that, even uh, not only high level athletes uh, can relate, but also the average everyday person that just, you know, like I, I've, I've been through a lot of stuff that average everyday people deal with. Um, you know, I wasn't like, a, like a lot of high level athletes were kind of pampered throughout their life and, and their situation doesn't really relate to, uh, you know, what, what an average person uh, would go through where I think, um, I think I would be a little different. Um, so I would agree we'll with you. Yeah, so we'll put it on paper and we'll see if all that uh, comes to fruition. But I'm certainly going to devote uh, a large amount of time to it. and uh, We'll see if I get it done in time. It'll be the hard part, right? Right, right. Well, no, that's very cool stuff, man. I would definitely buy that book. It, it sounds uh, – not only is it interesting, that, that again, that you're taking uh, – that kind of sports psychology angle from someone who actually has applied it. But you're absolutely right, man. I think a lot of uh, a lot of common fans and, and common folk, the working man, can relate to you in a lot of ways. So uh, I would agree with you, man, and, and I hope that that project does get put together. But listen, I know we're kind of taking a lot of time here. I, d- I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, you want to – how are you? You got like 10 more minutes? I got all the time you need. I got like six – six to nine months <laughs> <laughs> right right <laughs> okay so so getting back to condit man you know you, you um you've stated that you truly believe this fight is is meant to happen down the line 
and, and it's definitely a fight that every real MMA fan wants to see. That being said, though, will you be pursuing this matchup against Carlos upon your return? Is that going to be the fight you're going to be focused on still? Well, again, you know, a lot can happen in six months. Who knows who, who he'll fight? Who knows if he'll get injured? So right now, again, man, I'm, you know, about the present moment. Like, you know, I want to get this injury healed up as quickly as I can. Right now I'm headed to the gym to, uh, you know, like I said I'm going to hit the sauna because um, I have a surgery now. I'll have a surgery upcoming in one week. So, um, you know, I want to get as strong as I can going into the surgery so it's stronger coming out. Right. Uh, make the surgery as smooth as possible. So, again, you know, I'm, I'm focusing on uh, one thing at a time and, you know, not trying to spread my eggs out into too many baskets. And, you know, let's keep, uh, you know, the, keep the tunnel vision on one thing at a time. Um, whatever, you know, when, when I come back, um, you know, whatever fight makes sense. Uh, but I, I do think that, you know, yeah, man, I, I think everybody wants to see me and Conor fight. Um, you know, so, let, you know, let's assume that he stays healthy and, and has a good fight or two in the, in the meantime. I totally go for that fight, man. I mean, I think I think me and Condit, we are a great matchup, um, and I want to see uh, one of us. You know, well, I want to fuck him up. You know, <laughs> right, right. You know, not, and you know, I'm sure he wants to fuck me up too. So, well, I'll tell you, man. Again, from like uh, from a fan and analyst perspective, it was one that could have happened many years ago, should have happened many years ago, and it is just exciting now. So, uh, I hope that that one eventually comes to fruition down the line, but. Like you said, I, I believe that you had said something not too long ago about um, you want the UFC to keep offering you fights. When the right name comes up, you'll take it in a heartbeat. Uh, obviously, Carlos being one of those names, but are there any other matchups that you'd be really, really excited for at this point in your career? Yeah, well, I guess I got about, again, six to nine months to think about that. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, again, you know, so much can happen in this game. You know, it happens so quick, so, you know, it's, six nine months down the road we'll, we'll revisit this conversation and um you know we'll just see what happens between now and then okay fair enough fair enough so right now obviously like you said the main focus is healing up rehabbing the injuries as quickly as possible but in financial terms uh is being for, forced out of this fight a big deal for you there absolutely that's the I mean, that's certainly a problematic thing that i gotta figure out but Again, you know, it's an obstacle that uh, I'm not afraid of obstacles, man. I'm not afraid of bumps in the road. Uh, so I'll, I'll attack that shit hard as I can, and we'll get that figured out too. I have no doubt, man. And uh, speaking of financials, I, I know I always ask you about this, and, and it's pretty off topic here, but is there any news you can give us on uh, Mortal Kombat equipment? Oh, it's going good. I mean, you know, it's, it's not um, – you know, again, it's, it's not, uh, uh, you know, enough to uh, sustain me and my family. You know, it's not enough to provide for everything we need uh, yet. But it is growing. Every year we've turned a higher profit than the previous year. So I have a few more pieces that I'll probably put. Uh, again, you know, this downtime, I want to take advantage of it. And that'll be one of the things I'll be pursuing. Um, I have a few prototypes that they will we'll move over into production finally. And... You know, maybe we'll be able to streamline the business a little better and get a you know better website, better marketing, better this, better that. And uh, now that I can put a little bit of time and energy into it, 
For sure. I, and I know ever since you mentioned to that, that to me years ago, I've, I've always been interested in it because, you know, you're one of very few guys that has gone into equipment and apparel for fighters. And, uh, that was always very interesting to me. Uh, obviously Trevor Whitman's doing really well with his stuff too. So, um, very cool to see, but one more off topic question here for you. The stuff you said on Rogan's podcast about Snoop Dogg, uh, I think you put into words what a lot of people actually feel that are real fans of the sport. Have you had any interaction with that guy since you made that statement? No, I never had any any interaction with him before either. But I don't have any, I don't. I'm not interested in having any interaction with him. Okay, so you know, I I feel like with him being involved with the Contender Series and being featured on Knockout Mode and the new new UFC game. It's just a barometer for the era of the sport, you know, that we're in right now. Uh, however, you know, even if he is popular and, and brings new fans to the sport, it's a bad look for the company to have a guy like that involved. I'm sure you'd agree with that. Absolutely, man. It's disgusting. And I, I just cannot wrap my head around this concept of, uh, of using someone that's denigrating the sport to grow the sport. I, like you know, you want to talk about like bringing new fans to? Like, who gives a shit? I mean, the, the fans are going to find out about this sport. Is it's far beyond the tipping point? You know, like it's not an underground niche thing anymore. These people find out about it one way or another. Um, you know, and it can be grown organically. I, I believe all this. I mean, you know, I don't know if you know. The, obviously, the marketing people at WME or whatever might disagree, but. I feel strongly that it could be grown organically and with some dignity. And we don't need people like that bringing it down. And like I said, I mean, I, I see him, if I was, if he was walked up to my car right now, I, I would go out and punch him in his face. <laughs> I have no doubt. And I agree with you, you know, when you're talking about the, the marketing aspect of everything, regardless like you said it's an organic sport the sport has grown to what it is by people following it religiously going to forums back in the day and then getting really involved in the awesome characters that the sport has and you don't you do not need to be shoving it down people's throats just because you have some kind of pop culture icon involved in some capacity and if he's just going to degrade the sport then to the to most of us that actually care it only loses value so uh Man, I, yeah, it almost. I, I get the. I, I have to wonder if, if it may even alienate some people, some of the longer term fans. Absolutely, hardcore. You know, I mean, you know, people like us that are deeply involved in it, it's not going to alienate us because you know this is our life and this is what we're going to do. Like I'm going to be a fan no matter what. But right. But uh, you know, you know, I have to wonder about the guy that you know works at his office all day and then. You know, he gets, you know, but maybe goes on, you know, the forums every night and then he starts seeing that stuff. And now he's like, you know, I'm, I'm done with this crap. You know, like, I don't want to be involved with, I don't want to be associated with uh, people like that. And that's how I feel like I would be if I were just an average everyday Joe working at, you know, 24 hour fitness or something. Yeah, man. I, I talk about this all the time on the show that, you know, because of McGregor and the, the era of trash talk that, that we're in. Uh, this kind of marketing, this kind of promotion, I feel like uh, a lot of the longtime hardcore fans that, that helped bring the sport to where it is, I feel like we're losing a lot of them uh, just because of the way things are. And I really do wish that 
the UFC WME. I, I wish that they would realize that and maybe try to gear things back to the way they, they were that, that brought us to this point. So Yeah, yeah, because it's almost like uh like to me it, it seems like the sport is good enough that you don't need to add that in. Like the sport is good enough. Even like Connor he he did all that stuff organically, right? Like he didn't I don't think anybody went and coached him and said, like, dude, you need to be a great shit talker. Like, yeah. he was organic, you know, so they didn't they didn't have to push that, right? So, I don't know. I don't get why we, we want to try to be something that we're not. You know, like, let's, you know, we could keep the dignity and we could keep the organicness, number one, and allow it to be what it is. I mean, like you said, there's great... Uh, characters, there's, there's great personalities in the sport, and I mean, it's just a, and obviously the sport itself. Uh, the reason we're obsessed with it is because it's such an amazing sport, right? Like let let's let it be that, and it will grow. Um, you know, I I take major issue with them promoting it this way, and um, you, you know, it's just it's sad to see. Really, I I, I think the sport's better than that, and and it's being uh, brought down. It is, it is. And, you know, being in this era of money fights, I, it's like, are we are, are we just doing these matches to, to maximize profits or do we care about the integrity of the sport anymore? You know, like, what's the point of the ranking system? And I, I think there's a lot of stuff that, that, that could be changed for the better, but it's interesting to see it all play out. That's for damn sure. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, it's interesting to see it play out. And, um I guess the the big you would think that the big fear would be that you know someone else is going to do it. I guess maybe that's why WME or UFC or whatever jumps on it first because they're like their thought process is probably along the lines of okay if if Bellator starts doing this stuff and we don't you know maybe, maybe say they put a bunch of money in and grab Snoop Dogg or right or get a great shit talker or something and um, I mean I, I'm not the type of person that would. I think, you know, if I'm running a business, I, I just say, this is what we do, and we do it better than anybody else, but right. <laughs> I, I, I have to uh, guess that that's the, the fear. Yeah, hard to say, but at the same time, at the end of the day, I think there's enough room for everybody to eat, there's enough room for there to be these promotions all across the world, like you see one doing very well, and, uh, you know, Bellator is, is doing what it's doing, but I think that's better for all fighters to have more options, and um, at the end of the day, there's enough pie to share for everybody. But uh, listen, man, you've been more than generous with your time. Let's wrap this thing up. Just a couple more questions here. Um, what would you say to all the fans that have supported you uh, throughout all of this and, and all the fans that were looking forward to this fight that that, that don't get to see it now? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, <laughs> if anybody should be sorry, it's me. You know, for, So if I'm talking to any, any fans that are disappointed about the fight, I mean, you know, I apologize. Uh, you know, maybe I, I don't know if I didn't. You know, train right, or it was too fatigued, or overtrained. I don't know. Uh, I don't feel like I did any of those things, but if I did, you know, then I can, and I certainly apologize for that. Um, and for all those that support me, I, obviously, I got to thank them, man. I mean, they they make it all worth it when, uh, um, you know, I don't get to reply to all my messages, but man, I get a lot of very inspirational messages and there's nothing more inspirational than knowing that I helped someone through a hard time or that I um, raised someone else's level of life. And that is truly an inspiration to me. It makes me uh, a much uh, happier person. 
Right. Inspiration goes both ways, man. You're out there inspiring people and, and in return, they're telling you stories of encouragement and, and something that you help them get through. So it's, it's a two way street for sure, man. Um, 100%. but in conclusion, let everybody know why you're going to be back stronger than ever after this injury and ready to kick some ass once you're finally healed up. Well, I mean, I, I try to look at everything as a, a blessing, regardless of whether it's uh, what someone from the outside would consider to be positive or negative experience. Uh, you know, I'm going to turn it into a positive experience one way or another. And I'm going to take the time to uh, get stronger mentally and uh, spiritually and emotionally. And, um, and that's all going to... Uh, eventually feed into my physical and that's going to be stronger. So uh, I've already, you know, like I said, I'm already putting all these thoughts uh, into action, uh, you know, and it's only been a couple of days. So, you know, I'm not taking any time and I don't look at, I'm not even looking at it as time off. I'm just looking at it as time spent differently. So I'm going to, there's no possible way I'm not going to come back stronger. All right. I have no doubt, man. Again, thank you as always for the time today, Matt. Always a pleasure to speak with you. We all hope that you get back to 100% as soon as possible without any other complications. I hope we can catch up again in a few months, get an update on that. Very much for uh, looking forward to the uh, potential of this book coming out as well. But uh, any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go, maybe plug uh, Immortal Combat Equipment. Well, I guess you just did. So. <laughs> there we go. ImmortalCombatEquipment.com. Check it out. Also on sale at WestsideBarbell.com or EFTS.com. And uh, also, I have a, my shirt store. So, you know, if you want to, rather than having a GoFundMe, I have a shirt store. So if you want to help me <laughs> financially, buy a damn shirt at theimmortalstore.com or .net. I think it's .com. <laughs> All right, awesome. Uh, again, greatly appreciated, man. I hope everybody goes out there and buys a shirt for you. Uh, we'll catch up again soon. Hope you heal up well and uh, have a great day, man. All right, thanks, sir. Later, buddy. I got to tell you, Penn Nation, if I was Snoop Dogg, I would steer clear of Matt Brown. Another great conversation with the guy. Can't thank him enough for coming on the show just days removed from the announcement that he'd have to pull out of this fight, a fight that we all wanted to see. I'm sure you guys agree with that. Definitely a bummer, but as you can hear, He has plans to make the most of it. And I'd be very interested to see what kind of a book he would come up with during this downtime. Also, if you want to go out and support Matt Brown, make sure you guys hit up the Immortal store, buy a t-shirt, help the guy out. Much love to Matt Brown. But let's keep it moving. Coming up next, Amanda Cooper. She's set to face Mackenzie Dern at UFC 224. May 12th, as we talked about earlier, same card as Colby Covington. We're going to preview the matchup, discuss it in detail. First time having her on the show, by the way. It was a great conversation, and big thanks to her for the time today. This is BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Coming up next, ABC herself, Amanda Bobby Cooper. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome to the show UFC strawweight and the badass they call ABC, Amanda Bobby Cooper. What's up, Amanda? How's your day going? My day's been great. Just uh, finished a training session. I got another one in about an hour, so uh, just a typical day. 
Right, right. Another day in the life of a fighter. So it was announced a few weeks ago that you'd be fighting Mackenzie Dern at UFC 224 in Rio on May 12th. How excited are you for this matchup, and how has preparation been going so far? I'm really excited. Um, you know, obviously, being on the UFC roster, I'm always watching girls fight and trying to pick which fight, you know, is the best matchup for me and what fight would help me, you know, bring me to the top. Uh, and I've been watching Mackenzie Dern uh, even before she got signed to the UFC, and I've been wanting to fight her. So when she got signed to the UFC, I was excited. Um, and I wanted the fight. I wanted the matchup. And then when I got the call for it, it just got me really excited. They, you know, I never even told them I wanted it. i just been wanting it in my head. So when I got that, I just felt like it was fate hitting me because I'd been already, you know, really wanting that fight. Interesting. Now, that's something I wanted to get to here in a moment, but uh, there's been no love lost between you guys right from the start, uh, at least when the fight was announced. Um, but before we get into some of the shots back and forth, uh, how do you think you both match up stylistically? And is this a classic striker versus grappler matchup, in your opinion? Uh, you know, stylistically, it's it's obviously the same as every other, you know, a lot of fights is striker versus grappler. But Mackenzie's not, I don't believe, you know, with all her fights that she's had, she's, she obviously wins with submission, and but a lot of decisions. She's not much of a grappler. Like, she likes to stand up in a fight. She likes, she's, you know, on the ground, she's like uh, point point fighting, you know. Um, she's not a crazy um, good martial artist. She's very good at jiu-jitsu, like incredibly good at jiu-jitsu. I'm, I'm not going to take that away from her, but her mixed martial arts is is what's lacking you know i don't see a lot of good, good takedowns ever i don't see good wrestling i don't see good you know good stand-up you know, she's very predictable th- throws the exact same combination over and over again um it's it blows my mind that she's made it as far as she has with you know um with the lack of being able like wrestling being able to get take people down so it's a perfect it's a perfect fight for fans um, they love striker versus grappler situations, but the wrestling, the judo, the, that's like the takedowns is what's going to determine the fight. And if uh, she can't get me to the ground, it's going to be a bad night for her. Right. And you make a great point there that uh, in regards to all the decisions, uh, she doesn't have a high finishing rate considering her uh, her background as a BJJ expert. But uh, w- did you watch her fight against Ashley Yoder last month? And, and if so, were you impressed with anything at all? And I'm sure you I saw did- a lot of stuff that you could capitalize on. I did watch it. I wasn't impressed. Um, like I said, the same predi- same predictable strikes she throws. Um, her wrestling isn't explosive. She's not an athletic girl. You know, she's very good at jiu-jitsu, but um, everything else is just, there's so many holes that she has in her game, and she's fighting every two months. There's no way to f- fill in those gaps. There's no way to fill in those holes in that short of time. So it's great for me because um, all I do every day is grapple now you know and obviously i believe that's what she does but she's not doing any other things to fill in a gap she does the same um and what i've heard from people she's trained with what i've heard from old you know people that she's you know been close to uh is she's not training where she needs to train and i can see it in her fight so um i'm in it to be the best mma fighter in the world i'm in it to be the, the ufc champion and uh i'm not sure if that's what she wants maybe she wants to be the best jiu-jitsu girl in the world forever um, and my drive and my passion for this sport is going to sh- like be the biggest factor for me to win this fight. So it sounds to me like you you firmly believe that she's relying too heavily on her Brazilian jiu-jitsu background and in, in turn not evolving her entire game. Right, and um, 
I mean, I'm going to give her uh, some credit. You know, she throws hard. She comes after you. She's very aggressive. She's not going to stop. She's not going to, you know, she's going to get hit and keep coming. I'm not discrediting the way she, you know, what's going to happen. I just know that it's going to be very discourageable for her to keep trying to take me down and me keep hitting her. I'm very good. Um, I'm very, I'm a lot better than I used to be. And I'm, I can't wait. Like it's a perfect fight for me. She's six and oh, this is, isn't a fight where it's a uh, win, win. It's I'm only going to win. Like it's not, well, if I lose, she's good. So it's, what does it matter? I don't have that in my head at all. I'm going to win this fight. And you know, it's the perfect fight for me to win. Well, what you said right there is, interestingly enough, kind of something I wanted to bring up next. Uh, I was going to say that I was surprised that she pushed forward standing and, and kind of challenged herself a bit. You know, However, it seems to me that if she can't get that takedown against high-level strikers, she's going to be in for a long night. Exactly what I exactly what I think. Exactly what my coaches have been watching. That's, that's all we're doing. You know, we're preparing for the best wrestler. We're, I have the best wrestlers I'm training with that are, are ranked top four in, in the country that I, ha- I wrestle with on a day-to-day, multiple girls that I'm wrestling with on a day-to-day basis. I have multiple Jiu-Jitsu world champions I'm, I'm grappling with on a day-to-day basis. Um, I, I'm doing I have to, I'm doing everything I would as if she was the best wrestler, as if she was the best striker and she was the best Jiu-Jitsu girl. But I know the reality, and, and that's not it. She is a very good Jiu-Jitsu girl. The, real, the other reality is she's not great at stand-up, and she's not great at wrestling. So, you know... The two months that she has to train for this fight isn't going to fill the holes that she has between mine and her uh, stand-up and our wrestling. Now, on the flip side of that, though, I'd imagine that you can't have too much interest in fighting her on the ground, right? No, absolutely not. No, nope. I know how I know how to beat her, um, and that's beat her up on the feet and take a, you know like push off the takedowns. Don't let her take me down. Don't let her clinch me. Don't let her touch me. I'm very from the years of boxing I've had. I'm very good with angles. I'm very good with cage control. Um, I think that's one of my best at- attributes, and also my cardio is insane each round. Each round I get better and better, um, and I think that, that that's the way to beat her is, you know, beat her up on the feet, and then, like I said, I know she's not going to quit. She's not going to get hit once and be like, oh, that's done. I don't want to get hit by a hard striker anymore, but I know how to throw. I, I've been doing it my whole life. I know how to hit hard. Uh, I know how to angle, so I'm planning on I'm planning on her to keep coming at me and keep diving for shots. I might look a little desperate. I'm just going to keep hitting her and pushing her off me and uh, making it making it suck for her. That's what I plan on doing. Right, right. Well, I know you said earlier on that you're focused 100% on grappling at this point. Uh, but, you know, all of that being said, when preparing for somebody with this kind of high-level ground game, are you focusing on getting out of the bad positions or focusing on takedown defense and avoiding the ground altogether? Yeah, you know, um, I focus 100% on grappling because I know that's where I lack. Uh, not just for this fight, but, like, that's what I've been striking for so long. I know the striking game. I don't get tired. I, I can move. I can get hit. I keep coming. Like, I focus on what areas I need to focus on, and then that's my focus. And I'm not right. allowed to do other things until I'm getting better at it. So, um, in the gym, I'm focusing on the, all the areas I need. But for this fight camp, it's definitely 100%. Um, Avoid the clinch, you know, avoid the takedowns, sprawl, get back up, hit her in the head as she's coming up. You know, that's that's the game plan. That's what we're going with. Um, but obviously, I still do the normal class. I, You know, my morning sessions are all geared to exactly my fight. Um, my afternoon sessions are, are strength conditioning. And then and at night, I still do the classes with my team. So I still have to, you know, do all the classes that I, I normally would with my team. So, you know, I'm just grappling. There's not much game planning. Uh, other than the fact that in my head I know I have the game plan. Um, I'm still grappling the same. I'm still wrestling the same. I'm still striking the same. 
Of course, of course. When preparing for a fight, you've got to uh, specify a lot of stuff, but you also have to keep those other skills sharp as well. So uh, that that totally makes sense to me. But yeah, I've, I mean, I've done fights before, where, or fight camps before, where I'm only, I'm so focused on what I've seen in their previous fights that I like when I got to the fight, it was completely different. But I'm like, whoa, this isn't what I've done. Right. So I make sure I don't only focus on this. Okay, this is because ex- every fight's different. Every fight that I've ever had is different. It's never the same. So. You know why focus? Why do one thing that I think is going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen, so I got to do everything. But know in my head what is most likely going to happen. Absolutely, absolutely. Now you've said that you plan to derail the hype train. That is Mackenzie Dern. She's responded by saying that she didn't even know who you were, and and that the train will keep rolling. But she did say that she takes it all as a compliment. Um, now you've said you've wanted this fight for a long time. You've explained that a bit. Uh, obviously, there's you feel that this is the perfect matchup for you. But you also greatly appreciate the opportunity that this presents as far as marketing yourself and pushing your, yourself up to that next level, right? Absolutely. Um, I'm glad she doesn't know who I am. Like that, That's better for me. I've been watching her for a few years now. So like, I've, I've watched her fights. I've like already planned, you know, I've visualized beating her. I've like had to, you know, she's has to do that for two months. I've been doing it for a few years. So, um, and, you know, not obsessively like, oh, man, I'm going to fight Mackenzie Dern. Oh, God, I got to fight her. But I, that's a fight I wanted. I'm like, oh, that, that's a good fight for me. I think I could beat I can beat that girl, you know? Like, right. this is something that I, I've wanted. You know, obviously not. If I needed, if I wanted it that badly, I would have shouted it out a little bit more. But, um, yeah, I, she's got a lot of publicity. She's got a lot of fans. She's got a lot of followers. And I think she's overrated, 100%. You know, her jiu-jitsu is not overrated. Go be the best jiu-jitsu girl in the world. But don't, you know, um, come into the MMA world and expect to not get hit to not get beat because that's what i'm going to be doing now as we've seen with a lot of fighters that come into the ufc with a ton of hype doesn't always go as planned for all kinds of reasons uh but you know considering that the ufc is really pushing her as the next big star tell us about how important it is for you to steal all that momentum and begin your own rise to superstardom this is a a perfect way um i'm fighting in her home you know her home in brazil i can't let it go to the judges i'm going for a stoppage uh i'm really gonna push this fight and take it to her and be i'm not gonna it's not just a, a winnable fight it's a dominable fight like i honestly feel like i can dominate her and i think it can look really good and i don't want to just be like the girl that beat mackenzie dern i want to be the girl that smashed mackenzie dern and um a girl that smashed a, a four and three girl that smashed a six and old girl that was like one of the prospects that is what i visualize in my head every day i'm gonna do it it's gonna happen on may 12th and as soon as I beat her and I dominate her, I'm right up there to the top. Now, uh, in recent times, it seems like the UFC, uh, they tend to get behind the attractive prospects and give them a big push. But, you know, being an attractive woman yourself, do you expect to get that same kind of push with a big win in Rio? Uh, you know, um, I don't know if I even want it. <laughs> um, I do promote myself. I mean, I take photos. I do what I have to do to market myself because it does sell. It does get fans. But I think a lot of the marketable pretty girls get a lot of, um, yeah, you know, maybe, uh, I feel like people are always like, well, they only got that fight because they're pretty. They only did this because they're pretty. They're only in the UFC because they're pretty. And I'm like, actually, no, do you, do you not see the talent they have? Like, they're right. incredibly talented. And I'm not talking about myself. You know, Paige Van Zandt's a big example. People will think that only good things happen to her because she's marketable. Uh, she's great on camera. She works really well with people. She is a great fighter. Like it's, it's not cause she's pretty. It's, it's yeah, that helps, but people take down, I think they over 
think the looks and don't look at the skills. And I don't want anyone to ever think that about me. I want people to think that I'm very talented and I'm good looking. You know, like that's that's how I want. I don't want it to be I'm good looking and I have some talent. Well, you know, you I make, want to be you, you, known you, as the talent. Right, right, right. Well, you make a great point there too. Not only is it skills inside of the cage, but it's the skills outside of the cage. Like you said, being good on camera, being good with the fans. All of that stuff is is all considered and lends itself to your marketability as a whole. It's not always just a pretty face. You yeah, make a very I, great I, point ha- there. Exactly. It's not just it's it's not because she's she's perfect on social media. She promotes herself really well. She's a good idol to look up to. You know, she's not selling sex and like uh, being trashy or shit talking. Um, she's a good role model. Why wouldn't you want to promote someone like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And obviously, you, you're going to promote the girls that are shit talkers and they like you know you're there's it's an entertainment business we all know that like i know that my fight is going to be more entertaining if i push the pace if i go after if i attack her like rather than sit back and play the game like well if i hold her on the cage for a round then maybe i won that round i'm never going to be that fighter i'm gonna be the fighter that takes it to him and i'm gonna be the entertainer for sure for sure now you mentioned rio there you mentioned not allowing it to go to the judges and how important that's going to be uh but speaking of it being in brazil you know i talked to colby covington earlier today He'll be on that card, and there's a good chance the Brazilian fans are going to be really riled up just because he's on that card. So uh, give us your thoughts on competing in hostile territory against a Brazilian. Uh, I've been to Brazil before uh, for fights, and the, the crowd is insane. I mean, they're screaming, you're going to die in Portuguese. They're, I mean, it's, it's loud as hell. It's nuts. I've been there. I've seen it. But also, um, I think the fans are really invested in, in MMA. They, they love jiu-jitsu. They love the ground. They love the stand-up. They love it all. So it's a little bit different than America, where in America you fight, goes to the ground, and they're like, stand it back up, boo! Like, the fans in Brazil are, are really good martial artist fans. They, like, enjoy good fighting. Right, so much more appreciative, I, yeah. And more appreciative. If, you, you know, you come, I'm probably going to be booed when I walk out. I'm okay with that. Like, that's, that's something I've accepted. That's something I even visualize it when I'm visualizing my fight. That way, when it happens, I'm not shocked. I've seen it before. I visualize it in my head every day. I took a shower. I visualize my fight. I visualize the walkout. I visualize getting booed. That's okay with me. But the fans are fans to good fighters, so I I believe I can win them over. I believe that I can get you know get people on my side once they see that I I'm a true martial artist. I'm, I'm talented. I can do I can do it. I can make an entertaining fight. Um, you know, obviously I'm expecting I'm expecting the worst, but preparing for the best. For sure, for sure. And you're absolutely right. They're a lot like the Canadian fans in that they respect all facets of this game and a lot more than the American fans, which is unfortunate, but, you know, it is what it is. Right. I'm, I'm My gym and uh, my coaches and I, we always, we're just trying to promote, like, it's, it's we're all one. Like, it doesn't matter I'm fighting Brazil. It doesn't matter if I'm fighting the Brazilian. It doesn't matter if I'm fighting a girl from, you know, it's not America first Brazil. We are all one. It doesn't, that's not how I look at the fight. I don't look at me me fighting a Brazilian in her, you know, that's the, that's the reality of it. I am fighting a Brazilian in her hometown, whatever, that's what it is. But we're the same person. The girl that's across from me did, did the exact same thing I did for this fight camp. We trained hard, we shook hands, and we fought each other. It doesn't matter what the crowd thinks. It doesn't matter if the crowd believes she should win because she's from that country, you know. And obviously, they're going to want her to win. That's a Brazilian. I want them to represent us, but we're fighters. You know, we're, we've trained really hard. We're um, passionate about what we're doing. I respect everyone that wants to step in the cage with me. So I, that's the way I see it. Definitely, definitely. And that just lends itself to the to the reason that this sport transcends borders and uh, cultures and, and races and, and all of those things. So uh, I would agree with you 100% there. But uh, getting back to McKenzie, 
what should be next for you after defeating McKenzie? Uh, should you get a top 15 opponent in your opinion? Uh, in my opinion, yeah. If I beat if I beat Mackenzie Dern, um, I do believe that I should get a top fifteen opponent. Um, I, you know, I've been training really hard. I've been working really hard. Um, if I beat a, a a girl like Mackenzie Dern, when I beat a girl like Mackenzie Dern, I believe hundred percent I deserve to fight someone in the top fifteen and keep making my way up there. Now, when you look at the elite of the the uh, division, uh, how do you think your skill set stacks up against maybe the top five, top ten? Uh, you know, uh, it's always, you know, it's always a stylistically matchup. It's, you know, um, you know, that I could beat maybe the champion, but the number four girl beats me, you know, it's always, um, it's always changing as well. So it's it's something I don't like to think about too much because by the time I fight, Yona could be the champion again. Rose could be the champion. They could be knocked off number three. Like, I don't really know, you know, uh, I mean, Felice Herrig is fighting this weekend. There's, there's so many, um, factors that, that it changes and stuff like that but i believe you know all the girls in the top 10 can beat all the girls in the top 10 i don't believe that just because you're 10 you can't beat number one there's just so many differences but um i match up great i mean i, I really believe that i'm starting to figure it out within this last year i'm figuring out my mind especially i'm i'm very confident i'm very focused on training i've um done a lot physically but i really believe that the thing that i'm i'm doing the best right now is my mindset and right so now, important. with the mindset I have, the, the training that I have, the coaches that I have, I, I believe that I can beat anyone. So important. So important. You know, Matt Brown and I were actually just discussing that. Uh, you know, he was talking about how there's all these sports psychologists that come out of college and they, and they have all of this, you know, academia and, and, and information from textbooks and all these things. And they try to apply that to real life. And it doesn't always work out. But, you know, a guy that, like himself, he wants to write a book uh, about the the mental coaching the the sports psychology of this from the perspective of someone who's actually gone out there and had to apply these things to the real life situation so you're absolutely right once you get the mental game in line the rest all seems to fall into place and um you know you'll, you'll get where you want to be yeah i mean i just started working with a mental coach too so i'm really excited about that um but you know, people always say like, "Oh, fighting's eighty percent mental, ninety percent mental, whatever." They, you know, especially on fight night, it's ninety ninety eight percent mental. And if it's so much mental, then why don't people train that? It's not always physical. It's like people train physical all the time. They, oh, I lost that fight. What do I need to do? Oh, I need to train harder. Oh, I need to just train more. Or maybe your mind is what lost it. Maybe uh, it wasn't because you didn't go to wrestling that day. Maybe it's because your mind wasn't there. Maybe it was because you got nerve nervous, you know? So I, I make sure like I'm training as much physically as I ever have, but I'm also training mentally. Um, and I think that's the best thing for me. I think it's been the best thing for me. Um, my last fight with Angel Mangana, um, I've never felt so good, so clear, so perfect. Uh, and I, I think that I'm almost embarrassed that I haven't been training this before and keeping my mind perfect at all times. Well, hey, you know, it comes to everybody at different times, and it sounds to me like everything is in falling into place for you now, and, and I certainly look forward to everything that you, you'll be able to accomplish with this new ni- mindset. But uh, you had mentioned there the, the champion Rose and Joanna. I was just wondering, who are you picking for this fight this weekend? Um, It's hard, you know. I, I had Joanna winning the last one, like, so I'm like, oh, yeah, Joanna's got it, Joanna's got it. And then Rose really shocked me, and I, I couldn't figure out why she shocked me so much because – she's an incredibly talented fighter. I don't know why I thought, I guess I, I got into that, 
feel as like a, a normal, like every everyday person would is like, oh, they've hyped Joanna up so much. You got to believe she's unstoppable. You know, yeah. everyone's stoppable. Everyone's um, beatable. And I, I have Rose winning this next one. I think uh, she's she's really on it right now, and it'll be in Joanna's head that she had already lost. You know. Yeah, I'm I'm most looking forward to like the weigh-in stare downs. If that goes the oh, same yeah. way again, oh, you know, if that goes the same so way again, you, yeah, you can you can definitely expect that that Rose will be able to get it, but Joanna is so talented. Very cool fight, super exciting. I, I know, I mean, I'm pumped for that one. So Yeah, I know she blamed it on the weight cut last time, but she's like really low on weight right now. So she can't blame it on that now, you know. Right. I'm excited to see what's what's going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Listen, you've been more than generous with your time. Just a couple more questions here for you. Um, assuming you come out of this fight uninjured, how many times would you like to compete this year? Um, after this fight, I want to fight at least two more times. Uh, last year, I think I only had two fights and it was killing me. So, uh, three fights would be a big, big year for me. Um, cause I, I'll fight in May, you know, end of summer later that later that year, two more, two more fights this year would be great for me. Uh, for the last, about a year and a half, I've had um, a, a date in my head that I want to fight for the title. So I like I, I set a goal. I'm like, this date, this is the time I'm going to fight for the title. I just got to make sure I'm always perfect, always winning, and on top of it. And um, I think like if I can get a few more fights, that date will actually come to life. Really? Uh, so you you you're thinking 2018 or 2019? You'll be able to fight. 20, for this. 29. I have the not just the I have the month and the year of 2019 um, that I'm I'm gonna. I've had in my head for the last two years that I'm going to be fighting for a title. So if I keep winning and I keep fighting and staying active, I believe that that date will actually come true. What is that date, if you care to share? I don't know if I do. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I got it in my head. I've got it written down. So um, when it happens, when it happens, you'll be the first to interview me for it, okay? Because you're the only one I told. All right, fair enough. I greatly appreciate that. <laughs> but, no, you're right. Sometimes you got to – you know, rather than put that stuff out there so it can maybe jinx you, I completely understand where you're coming from on that. Um, but yeah, okay, so in conclusion, tell all the fans out there what they can expect on fight night, what's your prediction for the fight, and why is this one that they do not want to miss? My prediction for the fight is a TKO finished by me in the second round. Um, that's, you know, what I'm visualizing in my head. That's what I'm working for. I'm going to get a finish. Uh, I believe it's going to be the second round. And I mean, everyone. Uh, I just think it's a it's a big fight for for fans to watch. Um, everyone loves watching the females fight. Now you get to watch a classic grappler versus striker matchup, and uh, we'll see who's the better fighter that night. Which uh, it's gonna be me. All right, listen, Amanda. Greatly appreciate the time. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. First time having you on the show. I hope we can catch up again when the fight draws near. Uh, before we let you go, though, any shout outs or sponsor plugs you'd like to get in? Uh, no. Uh, I just want to thank you for having me on the show. All right, greatly appreciated. The Fighter's Voice, BJPenn.com. It's been a pleasure to speak with you, Amanda. You have a wonderful evening. Thank you, you too. All right, bye-bye. As you can hear there, guys, Amanda seems to think that she has Mackenzie's number. And based on the fact that she's been studying Mackenzie for a couple years now, this should turn out to be a very interesting matchup. Like we talked about in that conversation, I think that Amanda has the potential for superstardom as well. Can she derail the hype train? Well, we're going to have to tune in and find out. You heard it there. She has plans to become a champion in 2019. 
No reason that that's not possible at this point. Greatly appreciate her coming on the show. Greatly appreciated to all of our guests, Colby Covington, Matt Brown, and of course, Amanda Cooper. It's been another great episode. Much love to all you guys, Penn Nation. And of course, all the love in the world to everybody on Team Penn. Much thanks to you guys for all the hard work that you put in on a day-to-day basis. It's been another great episode. I hope you folks tune in next week. We'll have more awesome interviews with some of the biggest names in the business. On behalf of the whole squad and everybody at BJPenn.com, I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Big mahalo to our guests. Big mahalo to you for tuning in. Make sure you catch us next week. BJPenn.com radio, the fighter's voice. Peace out, everybody.